Well, I'm going to invite you to turn your Bibles to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 16. And we're going to uh, look at this passage uh, several, uh, probably three months ago, Pastor Owen had said, Jim, uh, would you uh, uh, preach this Sunday? And uh, I'd like for you to look at 1 Corinthians 16. Well, I've been reading over this passage and, and reading over it. When I first read through the passage, I thought, man, there's, there's not a whole lot here. That was my first response. And as I kept reading through the passage and kept going through the passage, God just kept reminding me that 2 Timothy 3.16 that says, For all scriptures given by inspiration of God, it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and instruction in righteousness. And 1 Corinthians 16 is that. Uh, I, uh, I feel like we're, Brooke and I are in this season of life. Uh, this year, uh, I'll turn 50. This year, we celebrate 25 years of marriage. Uh, I've got a kid that's graduating college, a kid that's graduating high school, and a, a kid that started driving. So I feel like this year has been like, whoa, God, what is all of this uh, happening? And then as I begin to kind of go out and visit with others, the different seasons of life that we're all in and things that are going on. And, and I think about uh, just, uh, just recent, I mean, just within the last 10 days of meeting different people, going through different struggles, uh, getting to, the opportunity to meet with a couple who's going to be married in June, and we've been working through time together, uh, getting ready for their uh, ceremony, uh, meeting with couples that are broken, that are hurting, that uh, are on the brink of divorce, and been married 10 years and 20 years, and, and different couples that are struggling in their marriage relationships and, and the turmoil that is happening there. And then to uh, be driving along and see a friend and stop and check on him and and uh, just uh, uh, struggling with uh, business and, and things that are kind of weighing in on his shoulders of, of business and, and uh, everything. And, and I'm just reminded that as we gather here together as the church to worship, we walk in with the burden of the world on our shoulders. And then one conversation I had this week even said... Uh, lady said to me, a secretary at one of the schools, she said, I don't, she said, I, I really feel bad. My life is going really well. Things are going really well, and I feel really guilty because of others around me that are hurting. We're all in different seasons of life, and I want to remind you of this. God's Word speaks to us in each of those seasons, and 1 Corinthians chapter 16 what I believe is one of these chapters that just reminds us uh, uh, of, of the gospel. It reminds us of what it is for us when we say that we are a believer in Jesus Christ. What it means for us to be able to, to live this out. What, do, what does that begin to look like? You know, I feel like I'm, uh, as uh, Lincoln gets ready to graduate high school and Kennedy's getting ready to graduate college, you feel these urgent moments of, I've got to pour all of these uh, uh, years of, now, now coming from me, it won't be years of wisdom, but years of information uh, into them really quick. Okay, I've got to just, it's got to go overboard. I'm going to cram it in really quick because all of a sudden they're about to be on their own. They're going to be starting new seasons of life. And there's this tendency to do that. I'm just reminded, Jim, don't worry about it. Just you, you keep on daily, moment by moment, we're, we're coaching, we're, we're, we're parenting, we're, we're talking through issues, and we're doing that on a daily basis. And I firmly believe that 1 Corinthians 16 is exactly that. 
It's one of those that's meeting us right where we are. Uh, John MacArthur said that uh, when you look at 1 Corinthians uh, 15, it goes, there's this great theological foundation that is there. A lot of theology you get into 1 Corinthians chapter 15. But in chapter 16, it goes into practical living, some practical things that you can do with the, uh, living out your life based on the theology that we, we read in 1 Corinthians 15, that Jesus Christ was, has died on the cross, he's buried, he's rose again. What does that mean for us as believers? And 1 Corinthians 16 is this. And so here's some practical things that I want us to be able to look at here in 1 Corinthians 16. So I want you to join with me, and we're going to read through the whole passage. And we're going to kind of dissect it all down and, and look at that. And by the way, I looked back at the clock before I uh, gave up my phone. And uh, that clock back there is about five minutes slow. So I think the nursery workers came in and slowed it down. Um, no, they didn't. They probably would have sped it up. Uh, but we're going to uh, make sure I stay on time here. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, starting with verse 1. Now concerning the collection for the saints... As I directed the churches of Galatia, so you also are to do. On the first day of every week, each of you is to put something aside, stored up, as he may prosper, so that there will be no collecting when I come. And when I arrive, I will send those whom you accredit by letter to carry your gift to Jerusalem. If it seems advisable that I should go also, they will accompany me. I will visit you after passing through Macedonia, and I intend to pass through Macedonia. And perhaps I will stay with you or even spend the winter so that you may help me on my journey wherever I go. For I do not want to see you now just in passing. I hope to spend some time with you if the Lord permits. But I will stay in Ephesus until Pentecost. For a wide door for effective work has opened to me and there are many adversaries. When Timothy comes, see that you put him at ease among you for he's doing the work of the Lord as I am. So let no one despise him. Help him on his way in peace that he may return to me, for I am expecting him with the brothers. Verse 12. Now concerning our brother Apollos, I strongly urged him to visit you with the other brothers, but it was not at all his will to come now. He will come when he has opportunity. Be watchful. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Be strong. Let all that you do be done in love. Now I urge you, brothers, you know that the household of Stephanus were the first converts in Achaia. And that they were devoted, they have devoted themselves to the service of the saints. Be subject to such as these as to every fellow worker and laborer. I rejoice at the coming of Stephanus and Fortunus and Achaicus, Achaicus because they have made up for your absence. For they refreshed my spirit as well as yours. Give recognition to such people. The churches of Asia send you greeting, Aquila and Pris Prisca, together with the church in their house. Send you hearty greetings in the Lord. All the brothers send you greetings. Greet one another with a holy kiss. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. If anyone has no love for the Lord, let him be accursed. Our Lord, come. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you. My love be with you all in Christ Jesus. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that this morning as we open up your word and as we walk through this passage together, God, I pray that you would speak to our hearts. God, I don't know what uh, burdens people have carried into this room with them this morning. But God, I know that you're a God of love. God, that you, you desire to take those burdens from us and that we simply lay them at your feet. God, I pray that as we go through life, whatever the circumstance may be, 
God, that we would continue to preach the gospel to ourselves. God, we would continue to preach who you are, what you've accomplished, what you've done for us individually, and God desire to do in our lives. We pray that you would speak to us this morning. In your holy name we pray. Amen. Well, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 16 here, Paul is making this radical change from doctrinal to practical. And after discussing the re- resurrection in a, in a lot of detail, all of chapter 15, he ends the letter with several uh, exhortations to be given. <clears throat> and I think these are just common things. And I want us to be reminded of this. One of the things that I think that we struggle with as believers is what does this look like? Uh, uh, say it's uh, we're trying to move forward in our faith. Maybe it's something as simple that I'm trying to pray more. Or maybe it's something uh, like uh, I want to pray with my spouse. I want to pray out loud with them. I want to pray with my children. I want to have a devotion with my family. Let's take something simple like that for us as believers. And by the way, this passage is written to believers. This is written to the church. So church, this is for us. This is not something for somebody else. This is for the church. And so as Paul writes this, and we're reminded of this, that uh, uh, as he shares this, this is stuff that we can apply to our lives on a daily basis. And when we go to thinking about praying with our spouse, and, and maybe we do that and it feels awkward, can I remind you of something? It's going to be awkward because we haven't been doing it. We haven't been practicing that. So it's going to be awkward until what? Until we become more familiar with it, until we get comfortable with it, that we're, we're able to do that with one another. Continue on. And I feel like that's what Paul is doing here in 1 Corinthians 16 as he talks about these different subjects. And I've got them there listed in your bulletin that he talks about giving in these first few verses. And then uh, he talks about going, uh, going to uh, Ephesus and, and the wide door of evangelism there. And then he talks about living, that, that uh, 1 Corinthians 16, verses 13 and 14. And then he finishes out the passage of loving. So these four things, they're already written in your bulletin. I want you to think about those. But these are things that he's encouraging us to continue on, to continue on, being motivated, being encouraged to continue to do these things. And the first four verses, he's dealing with giving. And we're going to be thinking, oh, great, we're going to be dealing with giving. Now I want you to know something. In the next three weeks in May... We're going to be teaching, and I'm going to be teaching on giving, and we're going to talk more about that uh, uh, next three weeks in May. But just real quickly, I want to remind us of some things. And looking at those first four four verses there, be reminded of this, uh, that we're to give cheerfully. 2 Corinthians 9, 7 says, Each one must give as he's decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And then look at verse 2. On the first day of every week, each of you is to put something aside and store it up as he may prosper, so that there will be no collecting when I come. Now, I firmly believe that this is just simply Paul saying that you are to be regularly giving, so that as needs arise, we're not having to go to everybody and say, uh, you're not having to go to the church and say, uh, I need that we need to be able to accomplish this and we're going to have to wait for the money to be there. There's a continual uh, uh, obedience in giving. And we can look at New Testament giving and all of that. And I think it's just simply we come down to it. It's we're to give cheerfully, we're to give regularly, and we're to give sacrificially. We're to give and in, in, uh, allow our giving to be able to reflect those things. To be able to give regularly. I want to share with you just as a church one of the things I think that I th- is important for us to be reminded of. When you give to Emmaus, I want you to know all that you're giving to. 
In fact, I, there's no way I could be able to share with you in time what you're being able to give to. First of all, you're giving to the Lord. You're allowing that money to be able to be used. And I, and I think about how we divide our budget. If, you, if you're going to go on and, uh, and give, uh, you're going to see that you can give uh, to our budget, to missions, to building. Those are going to be three areas that you can give. But I want you to know that every, everybody's given to missions. When you give, we're all given to missions. We're all supporting missions, whether it be here locally or globally, we're giving to missions. Emmaus is very strong in supporting missions. And I want to tell you, thank you, church, for how you do that. We get to be a part of the cooperative program as, as a, an autonomous church. We are on our own, but we participate with other churches so that needs can be met, so that the gospel can be proclaimed all around the world. And we get to participate in that. And every time that you give, there's money given so that the gospel is being proclaimed all around the world. I want, you, I want us to know that. I want us to remember that. Another thing that you're giving, I think about uh, just this week, I get a call from uh, a, um, an advocate for a women's shelter, abused women's shelter. And we helped a, a, a mom of children uh, to be able to get to a safe place. And, uh, and we went through our processes of how we handled that of, through our benevolence team. And uh, uh, the, the amount of money that, was, that we have is kind of our policy, is our policies and being able to deal with that. And being able to help a, a mom who's dealing with an abusive situation to be able to get out of that and to get to a safe place. Church, you were able to, we were able to participate in that together because of faithful giving. So giving regularly, Paul's talking about this, and, and this offering that's being taken it's being taken to help uh, the believers uh, there in Jerusalem, being able to, to help the overwhelming need of, of widows and, and the need that was there in Jerusalem. And so this offering is being taken. And what's interesting is, as Paul asked the Corinthians to give, and, he, and, he, and in verse 2 when he says, um, put something aside, store it up as he may prosper, so that there's no collecting when I come, that this giving is also, it's not just that they're giving to be able to help a need. They're giving and participating in the gospel with the Jewish believers there in Jerusalem. Remember uh, that these are Gentile believers here in Corinth, and they're participating. They're jointly together, unified in caring for the widows, caring for the needs that are in Jerusalem. So they're sharing in this, and that's where this offering is headed. So being able to, to give regularly, to be able to give sacrificially, not, out of, not just simply out of excess of what we have, but be, being able to think about our giving, thinking about our giving plan and what that looks like. So I'm going to let you know this. As we get through these first four vo- verses, they're dealing with giving, and we're finished. And by the way, if you're visiting with us this morning, I want you to know that the only thing that we want from you this morning is we just want you to know that we're praying for you, and we're excited about you being here. This giving is for us as a church of what God's called us to do here at 160th and Southwestern and being able to reach this community and the world for Christ. And I pray that we would continue to be driven by the gospel in every conversation that we have. So 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 1-4 through 4 talks about giving. So some practical things of us being as believers, living this out, living out our faith on a daily basis. And then look at uh, verse 5 there. He says, I will visit you after passing through Macedonia, for I intend to pass through Macedonia, and perhaps I will stay with you or even spend the winter so that you may help me on my journey. The vision there that he has, I will visit with you after Macedonia, for I intend to pass through Macedonia. 
There's a vision related there of what's taking place, what Paul is wanting to do. He has this vision to be able to go to Macedonia, and he wants to be able to, to intent, he intentionally desires to go there. So that vision that he has, then look at verse 6, and perhaps I will stay with you, or even spend the winter so that you may help me on my journey wherever I go. There's a lot of flexibility there in verse 6. It's wherever I go, so that whether I stay with you or not, wherever I go, there's a lot of flexibility there. As we talk about us going with the gospel, we need to have a vision for what God is doing, what God desires to do in our community and around the world. But also being flexible to be able to share the gospel, to to go where God calls us to go. We're praying right now through specific things about the future of our missions and what God has in store for us, and that it wouldn't, uh, it's not just going to be what's happening in Canada, what's happening in Panama, but what does God have for us as Emmaus Baptist Church, that we would be flexible and we would be ready to answer what God's calling us to. And then look at verse 7 there. For I do not want to see you now just in passing. I hope to spend some time with you if the Lord permits. He wants to be with them. He wants to be thorough in His presence. He wants to not just see them in passing. He wants to spend time with them. He wants to encourage them. He wants to be there with them. So this going is that we're going to be thorough. This going that God has called us to, we're going to be thorough in that. We're going to be present. We're going to be in the moment of what God's called us to. Look at verses 8 and 9. But I will stay in Ephesus until Pentecost, for a wide door for effective work has opened to me, and there are many adversaries. So not only is he flexible, not only is he going to be thorough in what he's wanting to do, he's wanting to be in the moment, but we're also seeing that he's going to accept the challenge to be able to share the gospel in a difficult place. For a wide door for effective work has opened to me, and there are many adversaries. So you see the flexibility there, but this this, uh, this wide door, this wide open door where there are many adversaries is not going to keep him from sharing the gospel. How many of us allow adversaries, allow difficult circumstances to be able to keep us from sharing the gospel? And I'm not talking about simply knowing uh, the plan of salvation. I'm talking about simply just us having gospel conversations with those in our circle of influence. How many of us allow those challenges to keep us from sharing the gospel? And so Paul here practically says, he's saying for this wide door, has opened to me, and there are many adversaries, and I'm going to go through that door, and I'm going to meet it head on. That we would accept the challenge to be able to share the gospel in difficult places, in difficult situations, and people that we maybe thought have given up on the gospel. You know, uh, Tom Eliff was here recently uh, for a funeral, and Tom stood here, and he shared an example of uh, a, a young widow standing at the casket asking Tom if her husband was in heaven. That's a difficult question. It's not a difficult question because I know the answer, but it's a difficult question to walk through that with somebody at that very moment. And it simply is this, that if his life had not displayed the gospel, if his life had not displayed that at that moment, then, there's, then we know what the answer is. And, and being reminded of that, that uh, uh, we have people in our circle of influence whose lives don't display the gospel. 
having gospel conversations, having difficult conversations with people and, and talking to them about Christ and who He is and what He's done in our lives and what He desires to do in their lives. Guys, encouraging each other, accepting that opportunity to be able to do that. And look at verses 10 through 12. When Timothy came, see that you put him at ease among you, for he's doing the work of the Lord as I am. Let no one despise him. Help him on his way in peace that he may return to me, for I'm expecting him with the brothers. Just being able to work as a team, working together with the gospel. Timothy is with us. Guys, we are together in sharing the gospel. We are together in this advancement of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're not different Sunday school classes. We're not individuals. We are a body of Christ working together, serving our community, telling others about Jesus Christ. We're doing that together, working together to be able to do that. And then I love what he says there about Timothy, accepting him uh, for who he is and, and uh, uh, let no one despise him. Don't be jealous of somebody else's gifts. Don't be jealous of the way God uses somebody else. God has uniquely gifted each one of us to be able to share the gospel. And we, can, and we can become frustrated with that. We allow that to keep us from sharing the gospel. We allow that, that frustration of, man, I can't do that. They're really good at that. I'm not. We are all called to share the gospel. And so God using you, your unique gifts, your personality to be able to tell others about who Christ is. Working together as a team, us encouraging each other, challenging each other to be able to do that. And then look at verses 13 and 14. Now this is to the whole church. This is not just to men. Be watchful. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Be strong. Let all that you do be done in love. And when we think about this verse... I want to, uh, just for us to be able to break this verse down there, to be watchful, for us to be alert, that the enemy is seeking whom he may devour. We, we need to be reminded that God is at work and that we are to be alert, we're to be watchful. And we're not to become complacent, that we're to be ready to, be, be ready to move, to be ready to be engaged to be ready to be uh, uh, watchful and watching for where God is at work. And then he says to stand firm in the faith. That we're to be firm in the faith. Just like 1 Corinthians 15 talks about that theological foundation. We're standing firm in the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're standing firm in the faith as we share the gospel with others. We're standing firm in the faith as we share the gospel. We talk about the gospel with ourselves when we find ourselves in difficult situations. You know, I'm thankful for headphones that my kids have now. I'm thankful that they have headphones because, and here's the reason why, okay? I'm, I'm going to, and I think I've confessed this to you before. I find myself having conversations with myself in the car, okay? So thankfully, they've got voice-activated phones, so if you're driving by, it looks like I'm talking on one of those phones. I don't have that. I don't do that. But I'm talking to myself. And, and a lot of times, it's, I feel like I'm, I'm coaching myself. I'm talking myself through, okay, Jim, and, and this is how you're going to uh, respond to this situation. Being, how can you reflect Christ and being able to have those conversations? Be firm, standing firm. I'm preaching the gospel to ourselves. We're preaching the gospel to ourselves. When somebody's going through a difficult life circumstance, and whatever that, that circumstance may be, the only way that we're going to be able to to be able to get through that as we're preaching the gospel to ourselves. We're reminded of who Christ is. 
It's not us. It is Christ. Our faith is in Him. Our faith is in Him alone. So being firm, being mature. It says, act like men. Be mature. To have courage. And that, and that courage is a controlled courage. Be able to have confidence in, in who Christ is and, and that we're to stand in that. Paul's command for the Corinthians was to be the opposite of what they normally were. Everything that he had been talking about up to this point, up to 1 Corinthians 15, in the correction and instruction and walking them through this, that they're to stand firm and that they are to be the opposite of what they normally were, what their, their, uh, uh, maybe what they were used to or what their first go-to was, that they were to be mature. They were to have control. They were to have confidence. And then he says, be strong. Here's what I love about this passage. We're walking through this passage, and it just is very obvious of what Paul is telling the Corinthians as we share here with us, to be strong, uh, to be strong in the faith. And then he says to be loving. Let Verse 14, let all you do be done in love, because love complements and balances everything else. It keeps our firmness from being insensitive, and it keeps our strength from be, becoming domineering. We're to be loving and to learn what that is, to be able to, to flesh that out. Some of us need to be corrected in, in how we, we love, that we're, we're encouraged to be able to, to be loving in, in our maturity, be loving as we're firm, be loving as we're strong. Love complements and balances everything else. We're to do all of these things in love. I firmly believe that we can stand strong in our faith and stand for Christ and still be loving and be able to reflect who He is. And then look at verses 15 through 24. This is just this practical living it out. These are marks of Christian love here. Now I urge you, brothers, you know that the household of Stephanus were the first converts in Achaia. These, that... Uh, uh, Apollos there was the first convert there for the Corinthian church back in Ephesus uh, that he had come to know the Lord. These were the first converts, so this evangelism here. Now I urge you, brothers, you know that the household of Stephanus was the first converts in Achaia, and they have devoted themselves to the service of the saints. They're serving one another. They're devoted, they've devoted themselves to one another, to the ministry of the saints. And then in verse 16 there, Be subject to such as these and to every fellow worker and laborer. To be able to be submissive. Can I ask you something? Who are we submissive to? Who are you submissive to? Submission has gotten such a negative connotation in our society today. It's become such a negative word. It's not a bad word. It's not an unhealthy word. Who are we being submissive to? Are we being, first of all, submissive to Christ? Are we submitting ourselves to Him? But who are we being submissive to? Are we allowing ourselves to be led? Are we allowing ourselves to be encouraged by those around us, those who are strong in their faith? Are we allowing ourselves to, to be encouraged by them? Who are we submissive to? That companionship in verses 17 and 18 here. I rejoice at the coming of Stephanus, of Fortunatus, of Achaicus, because they have made up for your absence, for they've refreshed my spirit as well as yours, give recognition to such people. They were together. This togetherness of being able to walk through the gospel, being together, uh, and, and there was strength in numbers. There was encouragement in numbers. 
this friend that I visited with the other day said uh, he had just gone to a funeral of a friend who had committed suicide. <clears throat> and he said there were probably three, four hundred people in the auditorium. And his, and his thought was, he was struggling with why he hadn't contacted him, but why had nobody contacted this person before? Just that togetherness. We're in this together, checking on one another, walking together, being together with the gospel of Jesus Christ, encouraging one another until the day of Christ's return. And then there's respect for faithful workers. Look at verse 18 there. For they refresh my spirit as well as yours. Give re recognition to such people. Last night, Jaron and I were trying to clean the griddle that we cooked pancakes and sausage on for the kids after the prom. And uh, as we're cleaning it, we're looking at it thinking, this thing's filthy, we're not going to be able to get it clean. And we could immediately name some men who could clean this grill like no other. Men like Leo Snow, Jimmy Wagner, Alan Long, these people that we knew could clean this grill, and I'm thankful for their faithfulness and how they served. And you know that uh, those names bring something to your heart about because of their faithful service. May we be encouraging to one another. May we have respect for one another. May we be that type of person that we're encouraging others in the next generation to be able to serve. And then in verses 19 and 20, the churches of Asia send you greetings, Aquila and Prisca, together with the church in their house, send you hearty greetings of the Lord. All the brothers send you greetings. Greet one another with a holy kiss. Now, something that we need to be reminded of a romantic kiss is only dealt with twice in Scripture, but greeting one another with a holy kiss is several times throughout Scripture. And it is an act of, uh, of I want to be careful how I say this, just the kiss on the forehead is the same as love. We've, we've broken it down to a fist bump, okay? And uh, uh, I've got a great story a friend of mine was dealing with. I'm not going to out him, but he lives next door, really close to the church. Works for the children's home, goes by the name of Scott. Was sharing um, a story about going to visit uh, one of his friends in the hospital, and he and his wife were uh, the the gentleman was in, obviously in the hospital bed, and his wife's sitting there, and and uh, Scott shared that you know I just I wanted to pray for him, and I was really burdened for him, and praying for his healing, and I prayed for him, and as soon as I said Amen, I knelt down and I kissed him on the forehead. <laughs> And the guy's wife, and he looked at me, what are you doing, Scott? And he goes, I don't know. <laughs> and uh, so anyways, greeting one another with a holy kiss, I think of that story, and I think about the genuine care that he had for his friend, but also giving my friend a hard time uh, and uh, being able to do that. But I really believe that that greeting one another with a holy kiss, the intention behind it is that there is this genuine care for one another, this genuine love for one another, that I care about your well-being I'm, I'm welcoming you. I love you. I want to embrace you for who you, who you are, what God's doing in your life. And so finishing that, church, can I share with you? When we look at 1 Corinthians chapter 16, these are practical things that we can do on a daily basis in our living out our faith. We have a society of people that are hurting. We have a society of churches that are hurting, and we're continually trying to figure something out. And I think it's simply this, that we look at this, and we continue to be reminded of what Scripture says. We continue to 
be provoked by what Scripture says. We continue to be encouraged by what Scripture says. And we look at 1 Corinthians 16. It's not the end of a book ready to start another book. These are Paul's words that he's encouraging the church, these believers in Corinth there, to be able to abide by these words, encourage them as they're going to make their next steps. So as I think about our kids that are graduating high school and they're going off to college and and the different decisions they're making, or our college graduates moving on, or, or our marriages moving forward in love for one another, uh, uh, us being able to encourage one another as the church body. We're living this out. We're, we're coming alongside each other, and we're encouraging each other with these words. And Paul gives us some practical things to be able to live these out with when we talk about our giving, when we talk about us going and sharing the gospel, when we talk about living out our faith, being mature, being, acting like men, being strong, and then loving, and how we do that with one another, how we encourage one another. Church, God has given us His Word through 1 Corinthians 16 to be able to apply to our lives, to be able to live this out on a daily basis. And these are practical things that you and I can take away from here today and continue to put them into pl uh, place in our lives and be able to live these out. We're coaching ourselves using Scripture. We're coaching ourselves using God's Word and allowing Him to be able to speak to our hearts, make sure that our motivations are genuinely uh, uh, grounded in who Christ is. And you may be hurting this morning, and you may be trying to figure something out. I want to remind you that we live in a broken world. And our temptation, our natural temptation, it just is to seek all these other avenues to be able to fix the brokenness. And the gospel fixes the brokenness. And us being able to apply that to our brokenness so that God can heal what He intended to heal in the first place. God correcting that brokenness. Us quit searching for other things that will fix that brokenness. Us continued to run to Jesus, to be encouraged by Christ, to be able to look to Him as the author and perfecter of our faith. May we continue to live this out on a daily basis. May we continue to encourage one another in that as we are on this journey in life. I don't know what's in front of you, but I do know this, that we, the church, are called to be there for one another, to encourage one another, and to keep pointing each other to Jesus. And we can use 1 Corinthians 16 to give us some practical steps to be able to live this out on a daily basis. And that's my prayer for us today as we look at 1 Corinthians 16. Let's pray. Father, I pray that uh, this morning as we look at a, a passage of Scripture and God, I, I ask for your forgiveness when I immediately read this passage and I thought, well, this is just a hodgepodge. God, what do you have for us? These are practical things that you have for us to be able to live out our faith with one another. God, I pray that you would be with us as the church as we live this out with one another. God, I pray that you would be with those in this room, this auditorium this morning, God, that are hurting. God, I pray that they would simply seek you, that they would desire to be one with you. They would desire to grow in their faith. God, that we would continue to preach the gospel to ourselves. God, we love you. We give this time of worship to you, and I pray that as we open up this altar, God, these altars that we would open, that uh, people would just be able to spend time with you. We love you, and it's your holy name we pray. Amen.